Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and today I have a special guest on, on a, a niche topic. I'd like to welcome uh, Niall Hoggy. Uh, welcome, Niall. Hi, Effie. Thank you. And uh, yeah, an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. And I look forward to answering as many of your questions as yeah. possible. You, 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 you are one of uh, the people that... Uh, uh, I'm delighted to meet uh, uh, digitally through LinkedIn. Uh, yes. You you talk a lot, uh, sort of speak talk on on LinkedIn about um, agri fintech, and and today we'll have the opportunity to uh, pick your your brain and and your insights and perspective in this uh, uh, subsector or. Uh, sector that is a bit of a convergence between two or three areas but yes we, we we dive in to that tell us a little bit about your uh, background your journey to where you are at uh, today sure um i started out my career i actually qualified as a chartered accountant with deloitte in their financial services team in london um so i think from that experience i had quite a good insight into financial services and especially around uh, like 2007, 2008, 2009, when there were a lot of major regulatory changes happening, not only in, in banking, but in um, capital markets uh, and various um, other sectors. Um, after that, I made quite an unusual move. Uh, around that same time, the payment services directive uh, was in the works and I actually went and set up a payments business specializing in FX and, and helping small and medium-sized businesses uh, to manage currency risk. Uh, so I'd done that for a few years. It was a very competitive market, but thankfully I had a competitor who were actually quite interested in that co small corporate uh, book that I had. Um, and then after that, I went back into banking and, and I was working on a few consultancy projects, but I think like a lot of people who are entrepreneurial, I was always wondering what was next and looking at different topics. And one topic that kept coming up was the was a trend that I noticed in India and also in Southern and East Africa. And that trend was uh, enabling financial services with agri-tech platforms. Um, and it was happening in those markets. Uh, it was using data it was using mobile money and payments. Um, and this was one thing that I, I was just really excited about. Um, so within the space of about three months in 2015, I went from working on an interest rate derivative project to working with an agribusiness in Southern Africa. Um, there were a few issues with, with the business. Uh, it was going through a restructuring it was based in Zimbabwe, but what I got out of it was an insight on the ground to how an agribusiness uh, worked in that type of market and what some of the opportunities were for technology. Um, because my prediction then was that a lot more financial services would be delivered in that sector using data and agri-tech platforms. And that's pretty much where we are now on, on a global basis. And, and that's really what agri fintech uh, as a topic is is about it's using that data to build better financial services and in the context um of of the agri and, and food sectors 
Interesting. Your, your journey is definitely not uh, a standard uh, journey. And as you said, once you're bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, um, <laughs> it's there and, and, and you search uh, in different places. Yeah. So, Nile, when I think of agri-fintech, um, I think of a combination of uh, using technology in agriculture, uh, but also uh, fintech, which is about financing or uh, financing uh, projects and ventures in agriculture, but also enabling financial services for that whole ecosystem. But there's another piece that's connected, which is climate. And I wanted to hear from you is, first of all, is there a definition of what is falls under the umbrella of agri-fintech and what are the overlapping pieces that we can um, think of? Yeah, um, that, it's a good question. And uh, it's it's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, I guess to start with agriculture, uh, there is a huge amount of data uh, in the agriculture sector. Uh, I think data, you know, some of the earliest versions that would ever exist in humanity are probably, um, you know, checking the yield of, of wheat, maybe in, in mm. um, you know, in prehistoric uh, nations. But and I think that's when people started to collect uh, data in agriculture. And, and now it's actually everywhere. So if you were to look inside the the cab of, of a John Deere tractor, I mean, it's it's got it's like Bloomberg terminals everywhere. There's tiny little screens with uh, lines, graphs, lots of data coming out of them. Um, if if I were to look then at the financial services impact, um, I guess the key thing to bear in mind is just the the working capital gap. Um, you buy uh, seeds, uh, maybe chemicals, fertilizer to plant now, and then you harvest later and get paid later. So I guess that's the the financing implication. Then thirdly, when you start to think about uh, technology and, and fintech, I, I actually start to look at what financial services look like from a very basic um, building block level. Uh, so you've got you know, regulation, you've got funding, uh, you've got then um, technology and products. And I think when you come to products is when you can start to think of things like payments, uh, credit, insurance, uh, risk management tools, um, and then also some of the data and analytics that support those products. Uh, and then finally is, is distribution. Um, and that's where I look at, you know, this sort of embedded finance part of the market where you, you have a lot of platforms that aggregate potentially farmers, maybe they aggregate uh, buyers uh, of, of produce, um, but they become you know, in, in embedded finance world, they become distribution points uh, for products and also some of the, provide some of the, the data feeds that can uh, build new products. Um, so yeah, in, in that's how I, I like to look at it and, and what fits in there, um, yep. And in terms of uh, thinking of big trends in this, uh, uh, sector of agri-fintech, what would you say the big uh, trends are? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the number one trend is, and the number one reason for to ask or to answer the question of why now for agri-fintech is definitely climate. Um, when you look at investment into the climate sector, um, I think there was a study for 2021, and it, and it said that of $16 billion invested into climate tech, uh, $9 billion of that actually went into the food and agriculture sector. Uh, and the reason is that up to 30% of greenhouse gas emissions globally come from the food and ag sector. Um, so first off, like it, it's got a, in terms of emissions profile, it has, let's say a bad reputation. The, the good side, the, the, the benefit is that actually it can reduce those emissions quite a lot. Um, soil is one of the, the most efficient ways to actually sequester and, and suck carbon from the atmosphere, um, which is obviously a huge part of any, you know, the, the land assets of, of any farm. Um, so that's a huge opportunity to, to develop. But then also there are lots of different opportunities to create renewable energy solutions, for example, that are on farm or uh, to support other processing in, in that uh, value chain. Um, and then, of course, when you think of climate, there's also a huge impetus on financial institutions to look at climate risk um, and transition risk and, and physical risk within physical farmland is it's quite real. And an easy example is in California, where uh, a lot of banks have exposure to farmland. But one of the key challenges is actually accessing water. And if there's a drought, the, the question then becomes, how long is this drought going to last? Can someone produce on, on this piece of land? Um, and if it's going to be sustained over a period of time, what is the value of that as farmland? Um, and that's just a, a very simple, simple example. Um, yeah. Simple example, yeah. Um, then I, I think also two other trends are just the overall use of data. There is a copious amount of data within the agri-tech sector. And only actually in the last couple of years has it started to get used for uh, data-led scorecards rather than traditional um, credit approval processes. So, so that's a huge opportunity for, for agri-fintech businesses to actually start to build those uh, data-led models. Um, and thirdly, then, I also look at what's happening in, in the world of open banking and open finance, um, because while you've got a lot of these platforms and as they start to develop their own financial IP or, or agri-financial IP, um, that will start to become shared and there's also an opportunity to standardize some of that agri-finance data and also get it into the hands of the institutions that, that can consume open data and open APIs and make decisions. Very interesting uh, what you say about the opportunity of, of uh, open finance and how that can lift the, yeah. the entire sector, I guess, uh, um, yeah. uh, on this um, uh, front. In terms of um, the interest from investors, um, uh, venture capitalists, institutional investors, and the funding, can you give us an idea of, of what has happened over the past couple of years and how the sector is 
comparing, compared uh, to, to the slowdown that other sectors, uh, tech, uh, fintech, and, and so on, have, have uh, suffered uh, over the past year, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll start off, I'm not going to surprise you by saying this, but it is a small sector. Um, you know, when I started to look at some of the data available, uh, you know, as recently as about five years ago, it was about 200, 300 million dollars that was raised in venture capital. So that that was tiny. But when it came to 2019 and 2020, uh, that number increased fivefold. Uh, and also so did the, the deal uh, volumes, the number of transactions taking place. Uh, in 2021, like everything else in the venture capital world, it had a record year. It raised uh, about $1.6 billion in VC funding for agri-fintech uh, globally. And that was just across 93 transactions. Um, so quite small. The good news was that in 2022, that momentum actually kept up. There were 104 uh, deals, which you know was a 10% increase. Um, and the overall dollar volumes, it just fell by 5%. Um, and if I were to compare that to um, a close family uh, or a close relative of agri-fintech is, is agri-tech, where the overall dollar volume fell uh, 44% uh, year on year. Um, and I think for other sectors such as fintech, you know, those, those numbers came down quite a bit, quite a bit, about uh, yeah. 30%. Yeah. Um, so Is I there think- a, a geographic concentration that one could point to for uh, agri-fintech? Um, again, it's a good question. So I, I look uh, globally. Um, I think there are three really important markets and, and they, for me, are the markets that are, are driving agri-fintech and actually will drive it in the next 10 years. And those markets are India, mm -hmm. uh, Brazil, and also uh, the US uh, in North America. Um, India is, they're, they're actually quite different markets. India is, um, is quite platform-based. So you have a lot of uh, companies that are, they will offer retail solutions, they will offer distribution. Um, they may collect data in terms of satellite imagery, they will provide an end market point to producers or, or market access, and also provide some of the financial services across that whole uh, value chain. Um, and, and also what's happening, and that's really interesting in India, is some of those platforms are now starting to specialize in distinct value chains. Uh, so one of the very few neobanks in 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 agriculture globally is is a is one in India that that builds financial products specifically for dairy um because that's such a huge uh, sector in India um and and actually I think in the next five years that's the way that market will go it will become more value chain focused and, and more specific um and you know again in terms of embedded finance that will be one of the the best um Markets or use cases to look at those specific value chain uh, financial services that are, are delivered um, in India. Brazil, on the other hand, is is just something completely different. One of my favorite facts of Brazil is that agri business is thirty percent of GDP, but it makes up just five percent of capital markets. 
Um, and what, what you have is a, a really um, advanced cohort of businesses there or agri-fintech companies that are pulling together the data, they're pulling together those distribution points, and they're also building out that capital markets uh, piece to bring more funds um, into the sector and, and make that more efficient. Um, and, and also in, in Brazil, there is also a, a, a neo bank which which is doing exactly that. Um, so they've they they cite um, new bank as as their model where they they've got regulated by the local um, you know the financial regulator and they start to take deposits. Uh, because you know they're in it for the long term and they see that as a huge opportunity. Um, and then finally, in in the US, um, agricultural finance in the US is absolutely huge. Uh, there are total assets in in agri finance of uh, for about five six hundred billion dollars, and it's a very sophisticated and very uh, evolved market. Um, so building a, a marketplace is probably not going to work in the US just because the market, they all know each other. Um, but what has worked are companies that build that digital infrastructure around those physical value chains. Uh, so where there are warehouses that collect grains, for example, maybe digitizing that uh, and creating payments um, along that value chain, uh, that's the way that market will will develop, uh, and one good example there is is a company called Bushel who who've developed a payments product specifically for for grains around those grain storage warehouses. Yeah, and in India, what is the neo bank that you were referring to? Yeah, so they're called uh, DGV or it's uh, Digiv Ready Technologies, I think. Um, yeah, and some like really good examples in Brazil are also AgroLend. That's the the neo bank for agriculture in Brazil. Uh, and another really good example is a company called uh, Trive, who are also collecting a lot of data, developing the the capital markets sophist sophistication around agriculture. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, how do you see the future uh, of agri fintech uh, going going uh, forward? Are you optimistic? Are uh, in 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 what way do you see it shaping up? You already very it was very interesting to hear from you the different approaches in the in the different um, uh, regions. Uh, so, so how do you see the future if? you can say, I'm sure it's not one size fits all, right? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a good question. Uh, and it's something everybody wants such a precise answer on. Um, and also, you know, looking at what's happened in, in funding in the last few years, I, I guess people are curious, like, what do I see in the next 12 months? Um, the short answer is I have no idea. Um, but what the way... Um, agri-fintech uh, will go. So I always use the example uh, of Uber. So Uber is obviously the taxi company. It's not involved in agriculture. It's not involved in agri-fintech. Um, but what Uber did, they they worked with, um, you know, the physical value chain that is taxis. And if you think of a taxi company, it had maybe a 30, 40 mile radius that it operated around. 
where Uber came, they put a digital ecosystem around that, and then Uber could have a lot of the, the data, the expertise, um, and really the appetite and incentive to solve those specific financial problems. And actually, that's the way I see agri-fintech developing um, in countries like Brazil, in Australia, in Canada, and in the US, those physical value chains are in place um, and they are just starting to build out the digital infrastructure that, that pulls them together. Um, so not trying to disintermediate the existing players, but, but just build that digital infrastructure. Um, and what, what I see and what I predict is that in the next uh, five, 10 years, I don't think it will be short term, but there will be a lot more um, digital specialists in specific value chains, whether that's things like dairy, maybe in livestock, uh, maybe specifically focused on uh, poultry, for example, and also then financial services that work directly with those sectors. So a really good example, um, there is a bank in, in the US called Compere Financial, and they, their original geographic coverage uh, was across 144 counties in Illinois, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Uh, and they specialize in, in agriculture, agricultural finance. But more recently, they've started to look at, at digital and what that means and that that 144 county map is actually not as relevant as it used to be, uh, because now they can start to operate across the entire country and, and work with uh, the digital ecosystems that, that pop up. And that's a really good example of that starting to take shape. It's, it's, it's interesting uh, what you say, and, and we can uh, envision the effect uh, of supply chain management and, and how um, this could be one successful use case of um, data flowing friction in a frictionless way and embedding financial services across the, the supply chain with um, yeah. logistics and transportation and everything uh, absolutely connected and, and uh, uh, flowing uh, seamlessly. And yeah. there's definitely no doubt that um, Agriculture is is a sector that uh, will not go down in demand. There, there won't be a no. <laughs> demand uh, uh, problem, right? Yeah, uh, it, it won't go out of fashion. No, that's it, for sure. It, it <laughs> won't go uh, out of fashion until, of course, we go to the point where we we take a pill, um, <laughs> or, or I don't know, we yeah. we we drink some liquid that uh, uh, nourishes us instead. Yeah. Of, uh, Bring right. uh, natural products, uh, but um, that is um, a long, a long uh, uh, time away, right? Yeah, exactly. I think I think there's enough time to to build enough uh, businesses, and uh, yeah, b before that uh, becomes reality. Uh, yeah, and and you know this uh, the the other aspect that we didn't touch uh, upon is that agri fintech is also a part of uh, impact and financial inclusion, right? Yeah. Because it touches um, on, on uh, 
being able to to feed the world and being able to feed the world in in a way that is both economically viable but also uh, distributing food uh, everywhere where it is needed uh, and and i'm sure that will also be part of uh, tech for good uh, application yeah um, no absolutely uh, when i first started to look at uh, projects in in africa um it was that was definitely one of the the things that were top of my mind uh you know coming from financial services in london to something that was real world problems real world solutions um and real world impact uh definitely you know it it resonated quite a lot um and actually some of the you know those fintech solutions um so i mentioned developing market access like that that's such an important tool that um a lot of people could take for granted and just providing a matching between buyers and sellers and starting to develop that capacity is um it, it does increase people's income and it actually reduces the risk um and which is also you know just as important uh, uh, yeah Nile, tell us where people can find you. You have uh, founded the Two Greys, which I guess is focused in this area. Tell us a little bit about that, and uh, and uh, you will share with me your links, and and I will share with our uh, audience in the description too. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my company is Two Greys. Um, you can find uh, my blog at twogreys.io. Uh, it's just behind me. If you can see the the picture. Um, yeah, so the company Two Greys, I work generally with agri-tech companies uh, to develop that financial IP and develop financial products, and also with uh, fin financial services companies um, who want to look at data, uh, maybe examine uh, climate impact and, and use data for that, and also look at new products um, interacting with agri-tech platforms as well. Um, yeah, so and you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. As I said, my blog is twogreys.io, and probably the easiest um, one to, to reach out on. Thank you so much, Renail. It was really uh, very insightful. Um, your You're welcome. Sharing your, your expertise in, in this uh, area of fintech. Thanks for being Thank with you. Me. You're welcome.